0: Todd and I are back to continue our discussion. Um, this episode, we get into digital versus physical, which is better, doesn't matter, is there a better? I don't know, let's find out.
1: Welcome to Panelism, the podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. Hey. (laughs) Good afternoon. (laughs) It was all I could do not to crack myself up on that.
0: I was trying, for those of you listening in, uh, I I tried to intro this episode a couple times and it failed miserably. So I was trying to uh, not laugh while Todd gave the intro and you did a very good job sir. So
1: it's amazing how meager our scripts
0: actually are. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that much man. It's a, you think I, I can rattle off at this point <laughs> I'm, just in a, I'm in a mood apparently where I just can't I can't do it. I can't take the lead. I don't, I don't
1: know. I'm- uh, it's all right. It's just uh it's just one of those days man. How is it in um in Colorado right now? What's your well,
0: weather? we're all bracing for a a wintry week to come. It was really Ooh. nice. It, this is this is the standard Colorado weather where it's really nice and it kind of convinces you that spring is here and then you get used to that. And you're like, I'm not going to wear a coat today. And then 24 hours later, it's blizzarding and snowing and 16 degrees and that's where we're headed. So,
1: Ugh. yeah, um, it, is, it is. C'est la vie, such is life. Yeah, a weather update here. I've got the heater on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you were listening last week, you'll know Todd's heat <laughs> was a – was a point of interest, apparently. I don't wet, know why. Weather
1: on the ones, <laughs> weather on
0: the ones with Todd and Taylor. Uh. Well, this week, this week we've, we're we're continuing our discussion of um, you know the form factor in which you read comics and graphic novels. We spent a good chunk of last week's episode on uh, subscription versus ownership, and this week. We're going to dive back into a a tried-and-true topic of ours, which is digital versus physical. But before that, I want to give a quick little shout-out. I feel it's if I didn't, uh, I'd get called out on it, and I'd feel guilty. Piece of news today. As of this very day, we're recording on the 17th of February. Uh, I just want to give a quick little shout out. Happy birthday, happy 90th birthday, to my hero and yours, Alejandro Jodorowsky. That dude is 90 today, and I bring this up because he has just completed production on his latest film at age 90. Like, this is a guy who, you know, is prolific in film and comics and everything that he's done. He's still at it. In fact, some would argue he's at his he's at his peak right now. At age 90, so it, it, I, bring, I I love that because it just means there is no end to creativity. There's no end to putting your point of view out in the world. If you're a maker, if you're someone who's been struggling with your projects as of late, or in general, or maybe you got sort of uninspired. Always. I mean, I mean, just think about that. This dude, as at 90 years old, is just cranking along, and uh, you know some of his best work. Uh, in my opinion, and it just I, it gives me great hope for my own my own endeavors. So, happy birthday, sir! Anyway, yeah, happy birthday. Anyway, we're talking about physical versus digital, and we've done this a few times. I don't have uh, handy the episodes where we've done this before. It's too numerous to mention, really. I mean, it, it, it comes it, up it,
1: all <laughs> the time. Yeah,
0: sure. we do. We it, whenever we sort of get uh, not not. Desperate for content. It just, it just pops up, and then we just sort of go, gleam onto it. So we're going to do a whole episode just about this topic, and if we cover ground that we've covered before, so be it. Um, but I think to, to get us started, let's let's look at uh, another piece of news as of uh, President's Day weekend. Comixology is running a lot of sales. I came on uh, is, uh, uh, Messenger earlier today, and, and you and Drew were talking about this image sale that was going on, and I I, ha- I have not purchased anything yet. I don't know if you have, but it's, you know, it's comicsology, so it's digital only. And it just, in my head, as I was thinking about, oh, what would I want to buy today? The, the question popped in. It's like, well, do I want these digitally or do I, are there books that I would want to, you know, actually have as a, as a trade or a hardcover, or even just single issues? And it, it sort of brings this question back up again. So let's start with that. Have you, I guess, have you purchased anything on the sale? Have, how did you approach this thing?
1: I have not, actually, because I am still um, enjoying, I would say, my unlimited trial right now mm. on Comixology. So when I started that and traveled uh, two weekends ago, I downloaded like 15 books out of unlimited. You know, like you just you click borrow and then you can download them to read them offline. And mm. um, yeah, I've just still got this huge stack. And so I I haven't even... Got, uh, you know waded through the image stuff really i sent you guys the link the only one that i think um that jumps out to me is i think i will grab infidel digitally um cuz i have never seen it in in person i mean it I'm sells sure it, I'm out. Sure it's at my shop but i haven't seen yeah. it
0: it sells out kind of fast though i've noticed every oh, time nice. i've been in a shop like i i ask or if i see it they're like oh yeah we can't keep that on the shelves um it's which is that's a great thing. It's yeah. a hell of a story. We we reviewed that in uh, an earlier episode back in October during Halloween. So go back and check out our discussion on Infidel. Um, but it's you know it it is that it's that same old thing of do you have this – I mean like in a perfect world I'd have infinite shelf space in my home and I could have some gigantic room that was just my you know my Neil Gaiman size library and I would just have everything be physical. And then I'd have maybe a a a copy digitally, so that you know, if I travel or if I'm just you know, uh, I don't want to go down to the library, I I, I just have it handy. But that's you know, you're always you're always confronted with this idea of just the the limitation of the physical side of things. Even for bigger houses, those folks who have a bigger house, it's just at some point you're going to run out of space. So it behooves of us to purchase things digitally. It's not quite the same experience, depending on the book. Which maybe that's another good. Uh, point to bring in just the the idea that a lot of dig- ugh, a lot of digital titles have uh, what is it? is a it cover flow what's the what's the correct term to describe how comicsology
1: oh, guided view
0: guided view thank you if you're a comicsology user uh, you're no stranger to to guided view it really does make reading comics more cinematic yeah. uh, for those comics that, where that's appropriate some and I, I've mentioned a few in the past uh, once again postal is a good one uh, some of the I think it was it the dark night. No, not dark night. There was another one that we were talking about before too, where just the way it's set up in terms of the panels and the way that, that guided view interprets those panels really makes it a, almost a, a totally different experience, but sometimes a better experience digitally than physically. You don't know which panels are coming up next. If you're in guided flow, you get to be surprised by the turning of the, of the panel or the page. Don't necessarily get that in, in the physical mode. You get to see panels bigger sometimes. Information is communicated at a bigger view if you're using guided view uh, on an iPad or a a tablet or any any kind of screen. So it really does come down to I think. I mean, everybody's going to have their own take on this. Nobody's going to be right or wrong, which is the nice thing. There's I don't think there's any definitive answer to this question, but it is worth considering. It's worth. I mean, we come back to it so often. It's it seems to, and I don't know why we do. Maybe that's another interesting question too why do we keep coming back to this so often?
1: well i i honestly i think um there's we've seen such an improvement in guided view and the offerings with it uh over just the past three years that we've been doing this podcast like it you know i mean i we used to have discussions of like ah, i didn't really enjoy this on digital you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and more and more it's like oh you know this is this is really working for me and that's not i don't know that you know i think it's like parallel we're getting these two things are happening in parallel one is we're getting used to it but two is like guided view just got a lot better yeah you know um there used to be times where the, you would tap on it and it wouldn't actually go to the next panel oh
0: that's and, right you know just little yeah. things
1: like that or it would do that thing where it would pop out of guided view all of a sudden that seems to be our thing i recall where you know and and certain panels whether they were left or uh you know horizontal or um, vertical like landscape or portrait would, it would mess with it now it's just you know, it's pretty seamless even for the, mm-hmm. like I, I've been reading a bunch of image comics and, um, I got a bunch of boom studios, comics on Comicsology. Um, I downloaded like every lumberjanes they had available. <laughs> uh, and, but even those, you know, I know at one point it was sort of like, I, you know, only Marvel was doing it right. Or only DC or something like that. It's that's how I seem to recall it. You know, when I would get, get something from image, it wouldn't look as cool. And it, you know, um, now it's just, it's working for everything. So. It is
0: a little unfortunate that only Comixology seems to have this on lock. I haven't used oh. the DC Universe app as much with comics reading or the Marvel app. I would assume they're close, if not similar. But that's three platforms for this. It's worth noting, we, I think we made mention of it recently, but Image uh, has stopped selling digital copies from their website. That used to be one of our go-to places and they sunsetted that, uh, I think, this month, a couple weeks ago. they you know, We got an email back in November, December saying, hey, guess what? Uh, we're going to take that. We're going to stop selling digital comics. You have your library. Make sure you grab everything before we shut it down. And they sunsetted, which I can see on one hand why they would do that. I, just, I feel like there was a, a missed opportunity for Image to really double down on you know, people like us who are huge fans, who do a lot of image collecting and yeah I really like that so i mean did that did that did that sadden you was that just sort of par for the course as far as as commerce goes did i
1: mean I, well i think- i mean a thing we we touch on only occasionally is that both of both you and i you know make our living in in digital content and and marketing and media and stuff like that so i, I just think of a lot of those things as like you've you know um uh first of all i hate talking about it as quote Content, <laughs>
0: yeah, but I, um, I struggle with that word too.
1: But there's such a uh, I, I don't know, in everything to me, user experience matters. And image maybe didn't have the resources to make an outstanding user experience for their digital issues. Oh, um, but you yeah. know, so, so much, and and it's you know, it's like once, once Comixology had Amazon behind them, obviously they were going to start making great strides you know um but that's the difficulty it's like you've got to offer a better experience than the the other person you can't just offer like a pdf download of it you know and not that they were but um you know image mean, to
0: their well wait to their credit image when they were selling did sell you like they they sold you the bundle of all the different files the file extensions that you could use depending on your on your reader or your 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 choice yeah so you'd get like four or five files in a zip zip folder
1: yeah um yeah. So I, it's hard to say like, you know, was it a, you know, did it not win sort of in the, you know, ecosystem of stuff because it didn't have that perfect user experience of purchasing or did, or was it the user experience of the read? I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. So I, I just, you know, if I didn't, if they, if they hadn't moved to comiXology and just ceased doing digital, it would have been a huge.
0: Blow. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me tell you, I'll tell you this. I bought quite a bit of stuff. Digitally through image. A lot of it was from their amazing sales they used to have. They, I mean, you would, you could go and, I mean, they'd have these crazy sales where you could spend 10 bucks and get a ton of stuff or get, um, you know, trade paperback volumes at very, very heavily discounted stuff. I I accumulated a lot of things. Managing that library was a little difficult. And I have actually found myself going to Comixology and rebuying specific things I had purchased through image before just Uh. so it's easier to sync. Between devices, between my phone or my iPad, and have sort of that centralized library where I can pull stuff down from. That really is, I mean, that's a killer, killer feature. Both on the Kindle side for just regular books, it's great having that one centralized library. Although there's that thing called, that program called, um, is it Libra? Libra, LibriVox? I'll, I'll remember what it huh. is. There's a book management, it's like iTunes for books, and it's free, and it lets you do a lot of conversion management. What is it called? Calibre, calibre. There we go. C-A-L-I-B-R-E. You can use that for comics too, but it's just, it's it's one more thing. It's it's pushing you back to those days when you'd have to meticulously manage your iTunes collection and tag everything correctly and change all the meta information. It just gets a little tedious. And at the end of the day, to have a centralized repository where I can pull all my Kindle books down or all my comixology purchases, it does make a huge difference. And it's it and that could very well be a huge your rationale and images decision. They just go, Hey, look, we realize way more people are buying here than here. We don't want to manage that user experience or be penalized for a lack of user experience. That's yeah. just as, as valid. So that's, that's kind of where I find myself where I, I grab everything through Comicsology. I don't w- necessarily love that. They're holding all the keys to the kingdom. As far as digital goes, I don't know what else would replace it at this juncture. It's an interesting conversation to have, but let me ask you this with physical stuff. What, what, drives your purchase to actually buy a physical copy of something um
1: (laughs) opportunity ah okay if I'm uh in the comic book store I will buy it physically Mm -hmm. I think given the price you know um but it's hard to say what that that you know cut off is it's just sometimes you're looking at something you go "Eh, it's not worth $19.99 you know um but uh, yeah, if I'm in a comic book store, I love buying physical stuff. Uh, it's, I, yeah, <laughs> because I don't know that my consumption digitally has ever exceeded my analog consumption, except that this unlimited trial subscription has given me like this huge binging, uh, opportunity or problem, however you want to look at it.
0: Have you ever felt the digital experience? And, this, and you could take this question back to our subscription versus ownership discussion too. Do you feel that digital slash subscription experience cheapens the, well, cheapens the book you're reading? And cheapens might not even be the right word, diminishes its importance. Because it can still feel like, oh yeah, but you know, I got an experience, I enjoyed this. But because you're reading it, very quickly through a subscription you're, or digitally there's the heft of it isn't apparent to you. Maybe you don't read it again. Maybe you just sort of treat it like one of those, those movies you saw once and that's, you're good. You don't need to treasure it or come back to it or revisit it. Do, have you ever, have you felt that creep into your reading?
1: Well, honestly, like it, um, the way you put it in our last episode about the book being kind of this little art gallery that you put on your table. I, mm-hmm. I that is such a, a beautiful way to put it. And it, 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 gives me a new way to look at those books. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know the digital cheapens it, um, uh, because I could point to just so many physical things where, you know, the, the, uh, you know, something in the print quality or whatever just doesn't work for me. You know, like uh-huh. there were a lot uh-huh. of big two books in the, you know, middle, uh, 2000s or whatever, you know, like 10 years ago or something that they were starting to experiment with uh, you know, Photoshop effects and stuff oh, like that in yeah, the yeah. you know, like you'd start you started to see the motion blur and stuff like that and the printing just got kind of cheaper and I just I hated that so much and having printed versions of that is, you know, it just looks even worse. Yeah. Um yeah. so uh what I have really liked about digital is I think as the user experience has improved, so has the the art has worked better with it. Like you've pointed mm-hmm. out several times um, in books you've read digitally, how just having the the backlit l- screen actually improves the colors sometimes. yeah you know, oh, where, totally. Where when it's printed, sometimes you just don't get that that visual. So um,
0: and then it highly comes down to the art. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, the, the art drives a lot of this these decisions.
1: Yeah. yeah well, I got a digi- question for you on yeah. that. Are we talking about two different mediums now? Ooh, <laughs>
0: great question. We might be. We might yeah. be because especially today, kind of following along along your logic, when people first got a hold of Photoshop and digital tools to make stuff, very few of them really used it correctly. I mean, Hickman right. did. Hickman, Hickman's very first thing, the nightly news is is half infographic, half you know, graphic novel. And it's in the way he used, uh, he, I forget the exact creative term, but the way he used real photos and then uh, it, it built characters around actual pose. Mm, stuff. Yeah. I forget there's a term that describes that. And it's sometimes derided. A lot of artists hate that, but some, the, the people who do it really well, like Hickman did, uh, I, I feel like just let him go. But he's, he, that was, Nightly News is kind of like one of the first digital first creations that I really liked. However, I love having it physically. I think it would have worked. If I were to buy Nightly News on Comixology, I'm sure I'd love it, but I love having the, the hardcover anniversary edition. And just it, it, something about it works really, really well there too. But it is, it is interesting to wonder which books, if, if, you, if you make a book for print, Watchmen comes to mind. You need sort of, you need the, the, the grid, the subversion of the grid to truly Mm. understand Watchmen and all its nuances. If you're just seeing it panel by panel, you get the story, but you, you lose out on a lot of context that Alan Moore purposely built into it. Yeah. There are other comics. So you know, think of some web comics. You know, even stuff like the Oatmeal from way back in the day. That stuff doesn't work as well in books. Like I actually have a book of yeah. Oatmeal comics, and it's fun, but it's much more of a collector's piece, and it's less like, oh, I, I, I consume it this way. It's more like the souvenir of being an Oatmeal fan.
1: It and is. so, I that's so interesting. Yeah.
0: Well, and I asked we we had last week on our previous episode about subscriptions versus ownership. I did sort of ponder. The question of when you don't, when you're not confined by this this format of a book, which has to be x amount of pages. You know, if it's a single issue, twelve to fifteen pages, twenty pages, whatever it is. If it's a trade paperback, uh, that's very much that form factor is dictated by print. You know, by former things that don't really matter as much anymore. Printing runs, availability. Um, uh, comics, yeah, you know, like the comic shop shelf space, your shelf space—all these things that when you go to digital do not matter anymore. You got to wonder what books could be created in a purely digital format that have no, none of the existing conventions, the, the limitations. You can just—it could just be a book that goes on forever. There's no, there's no such thing as page numbers or issues. It's just yeah. a, a story that goes. That obviously would be if we had more of that kind of thing. I think we'd be firmly talking about two different mediums. You could call well, them both comics, but they would be very different mechanisms of storytelling.
1: This this is so interesting to me because I'm I'm starting to grasp this, this weird area that I, I just didn't really have the vocabulary to talk about when I thought comics sucked when they were using digital tools. Uh, and it's that feeling of like, well, uh, it, it was that um, inflection point of the digital tools weren't yet good enough mm-hmm. to look like the analog tools – yeah. So everyone derided digital because analog definitely looked better, and the same thing happened in music. The same, I mean, you know, movies. For God's sake, I mean, this uh, yeah, that exact yeah, exactly.
0: statement I think Tarantino made numerous times in the early two thousands. Like well, 2000s.
1: and I'm thinking of it in a really weird context, which is like about hybrids and electric vehicles too. Where oh. it's like when people bitch about a new technology and they they sort of d- dismiss it. Like there's a you know whole uh, demographic of people that think that you know just want to crap on electric cars mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, but you're just seeing what they are now. You're not imagining what they will be in five or 10 years, which is Even when what they, they w- are now. Will be. Is awesome. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about, I mean, it's more like what they were 10 years ago is oh, so, yeah. It's uh, sort of still what everyone is thinking of, you know? And I think with digital comics, it's, it's, we're just getting over that hump now. That's what we're describing is the tools are finally getting good enough that you can make really good art digitally that competes with print art, you know. I mean a lot of the artists I follow on Instagram, um, all of them it seems are using Procreate on the iPad. Oh yeah. Know, with the i with the eye pencil or whatever it's called and uh mm. um Apple pencil it, version two. Yes. And <laughs> they're you know, but it's it looks more and more like I think it's what's happening is it's uh a replicated and improved upon a normal workflow for an artist, you know, like yeah, I see, yeah. I see them all do sort of a blue line sketch. I don't know what, if that has a specific term or anything, you know, and then go over kind of ink it themselves, you know, pencil it themselves and then ink it and procreate let you do these little videos of your process drawing. Oh, um, that's cool. So yeah, they'll post those whole videos and it's like, wow, I'm, I'm watching, you know, they're working like an old artist. It's not that feeling of like, Okay, they scan it in and then they open up Photoshop and they manipulate it in Photoshop and you know, mm-hmm. it's like we're finally getting the tools that make the uh, the art as good or better than its analog predecessor. Boy, that's that a weird thing to yeah. put together.
0: <laughs> and think about how many kids growing up now, when I say kids I mean 10 to 15 year olds, who are growing up, especially with Marvel being big, they're they're being exposed to comics properties, so they're more predisposed to being comics readers at any level now the big difference between now and maybe in the eighties or nineties is that now they have all this, they have the entire legacy of work plus all this killer indie work that's coming out weekly that we talk and, yeah. and phrase, you know, that literally the reason panelism exists is to celebrate yeah. all that. They're coming up now. They're looking at it almost like, you know, kids, kids, uh, what's a good analogy for this? How do I don't want to construct this kids who were indie rock, you know, kids in the, late 80s early 90s who who went on to then you know form these 90s bands like nirvana or any of that kind of you know any of those kinds of things they they sort of existed in a music business where the beatles came out it was like wow that's amazing and then everybody sort of copied that and then there was this sort of you know, there's this boom of amazing creativity and then this sort of lull and then the 80s happened and then just sort of like this you know the, the kids who grew up with that being constant you know made music in a very different way in the 90s and and even continue to do so i wonder since Graphic novels and comics have finally hit this sort of um, this inflection point in terms of the process and the distribution, like everything else has. They're almost kind of last to the table in this respect. What is that going to make? What What are the comics of twenty thirty five going to look like based on that? Yeah, that's it's going to be very. It's it's sort of exciting to ponder because you're going to have. Creators right now breaking all these conventions. They don't all have to be kids. I mean, you could be, a, I'm sure some 70-year-old yeah, yeah. would do so. I, I just focus on kids because they have no preconception about what came before. They're just only consuming things through their their parents' iPad or their phone, thinking about things that way. Um, it's going to be very well, interesting to see.
1: Yeah, and what started me free-associating on that whole inflection point thing too was, that, was your example of Watchmen, which is it only breaks with convention when you know – the print comic convention. Yep. You know, like Watchmen was never created. It was created in a in a universe where there was no digital option. Yep. It's you know it doesn't that's uh, a really
0: good point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it doesn't uh it only you know it it could only um deconstruct the the print analog version of itself. I have
0: several books like that. I, I hate to keep always referencing Watchmen, but it's the easiest one to reference. But yeah. I have several books like that
1: well, where I
0: could not even begin to think about what that, just the just even pondering the digital conversion or the well, part of the experience would just seem very strange.
1: I got a great one for you, which is uh, Dark Knight Returns, which I think does, like, in a panel way, uh, Watchmen sort of breaks the panel system apart. And Dark Knight has this thing where they, you know, Frank Miller like leaned into it in this crazy way where there are pages where it's just, Oh my God. I mean, what is it? Like 24 tiny little panels, you know, where it's just almost like uh like when he does the talking heads thing, yeah, the you know, where it's anchors. just tiny little news anchors, like for one line each. So you're at the time he, I mean, that was super, you know, it was like very, Uh, very much a grid pattern and a Mm -hmm. panel system, but the way he was using it was breaking it apart and also a a commentary on sort of like video as a medium and and things like that. Can you imagine that in guided view? It would suck. Nobody wants to see those tiny panels. (laughs) I tried it. Oh yeah. It's
0: awful. It's not that you lose all the context, all the subtext that you just described. It's not great.
1: It's impressive there to see the whole page with all the tiny little panels, you know? That was the impression of the one single page, not panel at a time.
0: On the other end of the spectrum is something like um, No Mercy, which is a book I've talked about before, currently on hiatus. The very first issue of that book really struck me because it was the first time I'd see comics really embracing digital technology, the the way they represent text messages, emojis, social posts. The kids in the story are constantly, at least at that point, are constantly... Um, updating and posting and taking pictures and stuff, and so mm, to see the yeah. book sort of wrestle with that, and then as the story has gone on, that's all kind of fallen away for various reasons. I wish there was another book that kind of could do that. I mean, there probably are a ton, and we're just not aware of them. Yeah, uh, which is not not surprise me. But there just this idea of what's the next, what's today's version of that of, well, of Dark Knight Watchmen, where it's it's using what is available to us. What's what's the you know communication. Norms of the moment and using yeah. those to tell a story, or or commenting on them in a in a subliminal way or subversive way.
1: Well, and it's interesting. Um, I don't have a good example of that either, but uh, it, it you your comment uh, sparked this in my head, which is it's interesting to me that when digital comics, uh, you know, sucked, like when it was like. <laughs> You know when we could really point to that era, whatever it was, two thousand seven, eight, something. One of the problems they were doing was Marvel and DC were trying these things like uh, I can't remember what they called them, but they were they weren't animated exactly. They were oh, motion comics. Oh, yeah, they them. remember? Yeah. And it was sort of like they thought that's what would take over. Like I you know about Spider Man, and he looks like you know it's like a flat version of Spider Man, but like the mm-hmm. background is moving behind him or something. And uh, you're like, uh. this looks terrible. And what actually worked for comics was to make the digital version more like a print version, just with guided view. Yeah. You know, it's like they had to they had to go back to what was was making print work. They didn't, you know, the the, the gimmicks and stuff of animation weren't where comics needed to go. And that was definitely a fear I had. I remember talking to the comic book shop m- manager where I go and just talking to him about digital like ten years ago and just thinking like. Yeah, it's not going to, you know, I don't want that. <laughs> this is not, I don't want to see like animated Superman. That's just a cartoon. I'll just watch that, you know? The com- um,
0: the comic, sh- I'm glad you brought up comic shops because that's the other crucial component to all of this. You walk into a comic shop, you're only going to get physical stuff. Like you can't purchase, I mean, some comic shops have some weird sort of, their own digital store or some weird tie-in, but for the most part, you're not going to get, you're only going to get physical there. You got to go to comiXology or DC or Marvel or, or some variation thereof. And that's your where digital really
1: sucks. Yeah,
0: it does. And it's, you know, there's, there are ways to solve that. Although I do I think about the comic shops that you really like, or especially the ones I've talked about that I've raved about most of them operate almost as as kind of a hybrid uh, bookstore art gallery. They're right. they they lean into the books that work really well physically whether it be because of their presentation, their packaging, the you know the nature of the book being such that it's it's much it's more literary it works better as a book. The comic shops I, I try to stay away from are just the ones where it's just the bog standard single issues.
1: Not yeah really. where it feels like the Walmart of comic yeah or something. It's like, and here, I think those, here's everything that came out this week, and here's everything that came out last week and and those are the any. shops
0: that are that are not going to last much longer, you know, if yeah. they haven't already gone out of business, those are the shops they're not off. just like music stores I mean, think about the music stores towards you know kind of in the in the late nineties, early two thousands before the the fall really started happening for music,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: where you'd have. The occasional music store you'd walk into, and they would still sell vinyl, and they just, it looked, it felt like, oh, somebody cares. Like, somebody gives a shit about this. And then you'd walk into some bog standard music store, it was just the same inventory, the same layout, nothing about it really did anything for me. And it's no wonder a lot of those stores just stopped because they were purely commodity. There is yeah. nothing about them outside of that, and you, you, if you can get commodity through an easier mechanism, whether it be Amazon or some digital outlet or whatever it is, people are going to do that. So you have to offer something in addition to that commodity that decommoditizes, that makes it feel special and important yeah. and meaningful. And again, like an art gallery, like that's art. Art, well, comics straddles it, that that really interesting juxt- that cross line of, of it's you know there's it's like books because there's authors, but it's like it, this is a lot of it is literally our works of art. So it's like an art gallery, but it's also kind of like a music store, but it's also like it's all these wonderful things packaged in one medium. And it's really a, I'm surprised that it, that it has survived a lot of these retail apocalypses as it has. Um, And B I'm, I'm, all the more excited that as time has gone on a lot of these shops get better and better the books get better and better yeah. it's like it's like the industry is kind of really figuring itself out now out you know beyond the the um, limitations of dc and marvel like everybody else is really coming up with these really awesome solutions anyway I, you, well, you were no, we up.
1: we talked about last week or like in our yeah last week in our last podcast about um, digital and and subscriptions and you know, subscription versus ownership, and and we were pointing out that it removes this critical social component of yeah. owning comics and it's being able to one. pass it off to your friend and stuff. And I think that's where comic shops can make a difference: is to step in and become the social hub for that stuff. Uh, you and I, or I, you know, I participate in a, a book club hosted by my comic book shop, and you are just about to do that. Yeah, this and, week, going to my yeah. first. And it's like, but when that happens, you know, I can read the book digitally
0: Yeah,
1: and the comic book shop is still bringing me together. I mean, it would be great if it were linked. Now, what my comic book shop does is they offer a discount on each month's book club book. Mm. So it incentivizes you to just go ahead and buy it from them, the physical version. Mm -hmm. But it's not like I'm not allowed to come if I read it digitally, you know, um, that thing happened with descender. As a matter of fact, we talked about it on our descender Mm -hmm. podcast. Um, so, yeah, the the comic book shop in that way is sort of, you know, the trade and the, the social, you know, trade there is happening in a different way than it used to. It's not the kids of Stand By Me passing around the same comic book or whatever <laughs> yeah. my example was last week, but that's where they're stepping in. Now, in the I think the last, you know, big component we could talk about in this that affects both comic book shops um, and the creators is that business model.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think one of the reasons comic book shops have actually survived like these digital apocalypses that have ta- you know taken out other retail is because there's such a lock on physical comic book distribution. Good like point. it's it's impossible to there there you know as far as I understand you can't break the sort of monopoly that Diamond Mhm. And not that anyone's even trying to do it. It sounds like maybe it's equitable for everyone. I don't know. If do you know what's – uh, what, opposing opinion? Please let us know.
0: That brings in you know, my my sort of amalgamation of all the things comics and comic shops are. That that distribution thing brings another one to the table, which is liquor. Like liquor stores typically operate very there. There's like two or three liquor distributors, and if you try to crack that cartel, it is woe well on to that person who you know who tries to get in the way of that or or circumvent that. And it kind of gives liquor stores, especially like the really good ones, like sort of that upper hand, and like you can't, you know, you Joe Schmo just can't go next door and start another liquor store. It's you have to kind of play by these rules. Right. Diamond is we haven't for all the stu- uh, all the episodes we've done, we we haven't really talked about diamond a lot. That is a, maybe we save that for another day because that's that's a whole other thing to that really does influence this.
1: We should definitely talk about it another time, primarily for the fact that I just don't know a lot about it. But same, it's, same. It's, it's clear to me that that is kind of the only game in town.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, on one hand, it's there's a uh, a real shortcoming of it, which is that they have, you know, again, I, I, I don't know how most comic book shops feel about them. I don't know if there's a, a tension there or not. But I know that I, as a customer, have asked comic book shops about a specific book And it's one that I could buy on Amazon, but I'm saying Mm -hmm. like, Hey, if I could buy it from you, that would be even better. And because it is not in the diamond distribution catalog, they can't carry it. Like can't carry it. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't have any other source of comic, As far as I understand, maybe they've got like local and then diamond. I don't know. But, um, you know, to that extent, it does seem to be harming them because there is other great sequential or graphic art that could be in comic book shops, but I don't know that they're even allowed because of their thing. But the, anyway, the other part of that that I wanted to touch on is how it affects creators. And hopefully we can get this uh, creator on an episode to talk about it. So I, I I won't name them until, until we have that permission. But I I had this interesting conversation with um, a, a, a person who both creates books, but also helps, Uh, publish them and uh, distribute them and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, that person hit me to this thing that the, you know, it's, there's this weird problem for indie creators in that you feel like you need to create the floppy single issues, Mm -hmm. but there is no, uh, uh, there's just no profit in that at all. Mm -hmm. Like the cost to print, you know, a run of single issues and what you might generate per sale is insane. I mean, it's, it's just nothing. It's nothing. So it's like, which
0: makes me, which really does confuse me because image falls into this trap all the time where they'll start these amazing series and they'll do them. They, they, it's like, you can't get to a trade until you've done four to six individual issues. And And even then, and even then, like they have these titles that if they just put them out as trades would do better than trying to build an audience via single issues, or maybe they've done a trade. Again, I come back to nowhere men, and they're not like us, which is written by created by the damn publisher himself, um, the actual what publisher. Editor, of Image. Right, editor, editor. Sorry, editor. You're right, editor in chief of, of Image. He, you know, he did these these two titles. You'd think that he'd go, you know, I have a a de- small but dedicated group. Instead of wasting time and costs on more single issues, I'm just going to put out volume two of each of these series as a tra- as a straight to trade it, it, i mean there is well, there some shame involved with that like from no a I, no standpoint? i
1: th- i again don't understand i'm uh, happy to be corrected on this i, I think part of that <clears throat> is that stranglehold of the distribution mm-hmm. because in order to get that trade placed in comic book stores you need to have those orders on the single issues and it's like you've got to participate wholly in the system
0: but then how does Drown and quarterly get away with it
1: Well, I I don't think they do single issues at all, except for that's that's what I'm saying. Like they're more of a specialty, you know, they're more of a book publisher than they are a a comic book publisher. But they're they're distributed in stores, so I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, they've got something special. But this creator and I were talking about how the single issue format actually works in a great way as like kickstarters for indie creators. Which is Mm -hmm. if you could, if they could almost, you know, like sell. Uh, the way this came up was we were specifically talking about how it's useless to buy single issues on Comixology because it costs just as much as a physical copy of that. Yeah. So it's sort of like you. We always kind of feel like the digital one shouldn't cost as much. You know, it, it doesn't make any sense that your overhead to produce a digital and an, an analog thing are the same. Like you know, yeah. it's, <laughs> at it some actually point, be, like
0: I'll say that when they do that, it actually cheapens the hard, the physical version. In my yeah. Mind. It's weird. I mean, it, it does. It just does, because it says, "Look, this thing that means more physically costs the same as digitally, even though it's it's a totally different experience." I mean, and how some, many?
1: Oh, I don't know. How many new books would you check out if those floppy issues were just a dollar on comic Quite a bit. So many, but it would also tank the model. Like it yeah. would destroy that whole model of like needing those orders in the comic book shops in order to know where, like, how many to print of the. Anyway, yeah. this indie creator and I were talking about how. For indie comics, that that can work to their favor. They can sell those single issues digitally for very cheap. People interested in a book, and then go through the expense to print the uh, you know a a print version when their audience is established. They can get you yeah. know it's the Kickstarter thing of like, hey, we can't actually print this until we have a thousand people that want one. Mm-hmm. Well, but we can still distribute it to you digitally. You know, so I, there's a lot to this economics problem that. Uh, I I don't know. It's you know it's interesting. Um, I, it's it's difficult to take when you see that it's actually impacting like creators on that. Yeah, um, yeah. So One I, of the yeah, best I, I things no Comicsology
0: could do is have a separate category that's like just upload. Like literally, you can create a Comixology creators account and just upload your shit, and they'll put you in in a separate. You know, there's like the the publisher categories. They'll create a, another category called. You know, self, you know, self-created, whatever it is, comicsology creators category. I don't care. And then I, as a as a fan and a reader, can go and find any number of cool new things there. I think just like what where is the next Ailes Cot going to come from? The guy who <laughs> did Zero can never pronounce his name correctly, but I think it's I think it's that he you know, created Zero. He created a bunch of uh, uh, amazing uh, amazing material, a bunch of amazing books. He's just like he's kind of just. Uh, really great creator being able to find that next guy or or even taking one step further saying hey comiXology become a hub for all this stuff do what i just described but also if i'm a writer looking for an artist i should be able to find that person there maybe not i mean deviant art is kind of that and there's these other groups and stuff but comiXology could own that entire value chain and really i mean bring
1: more people into the medium there's things they could do this is a huge shortcoming on on our part is that we keep saying Comixology and I am kicking myself right now for not coming up with the name. There's a platform that does this exactly, and it's almost like Comixology is basically the uh, iTunes of of this you know business. And this other app whose name escapes me is the Bandcamp, where the indie artists oh, can yeah. upload their own stuff, and it's you know it's perfectly compatible and it works everywhere. And you download it, you you know you're just helping out the creator directly and what the hell is the name of this Is it thing? called
0: Indie Planet or Comic Central?
1: Uh, neither of those sounds familiar, but um it's, it it talk. wasn't what I was thinking of. Um oh my gosh. How about uh, this?
0: What you look, I'm going to read yeah. a couple of comments. We had some great comments oh, yeah. on Instagram after our episode last week on subscription versus ownership. I'm just going to read a few from and I don't know how to pronounce this, but Man Child, he says or he or she say I personally like to own. Seeing the whole collection on my shelves is always so cool. Awesome episode. Thank you for that. Uh, Joe Smith, real name, says, great discussion. I am still completely buying physical copies in graphic novels. These, or, there are stories such as The Kindly Ones, which I buy as gifts for people I know need that push. Something I feel would be cheap and buy an, uh, an email. Exclaiming, look! Oh, at least physical book can be read <laughs> at their own pace and sit on a shelf. And then somebody else writes, um, I asked them to, to expand on that. They said, my living, my living situation is paper-based. There is no fire allowed. I'm a man among books and sketchbooks. Soon they will overtake me. I begged Kirkman and Otley to stop so I could live here a few more years. So this is a guy who's kind of like <laughs> those crazy vinyl collectors, just keeps adding books. I would love to be one of those people. My wife will not allow it. Uh, and I shouldn't allow it because there's just, there's just not enough room. And at some point, at some point, I, I kind of you know, the Marie Condo in me sort of flares up, and I want to tear down. I just I would hate to have all these books that I'd have to look at and, and make you know some some difficult choices about. Um, somebody else, uh, father who uh, Father Hodge-Gigri says, I can't kick the habit of single issues, but have limited to two to three titles a week. I will read digitally on unlimited or read my friends' copies of others. Um, I do, however, money with, with the money I save buy nice hardcovers for stories I love for the bookshelf. So it seems like just based on these comments and other people we've heard from over over the last couple of weeks that a lot of people are in the same boat, which is I do a lot of my primary discovery and reading digitally, but when it comes to the stuff I love and want to really honor, physical all, all the way. Um, very rarely does the, the, does the digital uh, – even though you own it technically you, you know you can take the file and do with it what you will doesn't doesn't mean the same thing as a physical copy
1: yeah I, I totally agree with the interesting flip that when I discover um I I, I am 100 percent more likely to purchase a single issue in print that's a title I haven't heard of or a title that I want to learn more about than I am on Comixology. like that's interesting the weird marine the other and way doesn't i don't want the digital clutter of all these single issues that i end up not liking oh um I, but wait I, you isn't know, the, don't I, you have
0: the same problem physically though you
1: have all these single issues. No, I just give it away
0: oh okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> it just goes to a boys and girls club oh. um the yeah that is um yeah that i i love walking through the comic book shop and um I don't love it when there's a week where I don't have something to get there, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I do love it sometimes when I'm like, I have the time or space or budget or whatever to go through all these series that I don't know and see what grabs me like single issue wise. And I'll grab one, you know, there's some weeks where, well, and actually I'm, I haven't been to a comic book shop in a while uh, oh, because, a of, because of this unlimited su- subscription. Oh, <laughs> um, no. So I've got a, I'm sure I've listening. got a, a growing pull list. That's <laughs> ridiculous um please keep holding on to that for me uh but yeah sometimes you know there's nothing on the poll list and i'm like oh let me see you know and uh, unfortunately that usually ends up being like mainstream kind of stuff yeah um i don't really check out image uh single issues you know that's the thing is like
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I don't know and that's, i don't know that's another place where the the model just kind of fails because to me um i i don't I don't want to be picking up single issues. And I know our friend Drew is the opposite way. Like are image series that he loves and he picks up every single, single, single issue. Yeah.
0: I have this issue though, too, where, and I've, I've mentioned it before, I will start a series, especially uh, image or dark horse or boom. I'll start a series on the, on the single issues, get hooked on it and then go, okay, I'm going to trade these single issues for the hardcover. So then I'll sell those or give those away and then get the hard, sorry, not hardcover, the trade of the single issues. Cause I like the, a lot of times when they they combine it together, it flows better. You get some DVD extras in the back, um, but then and a great example of this is I Hate Fairyland, which I started as single issues, then bought the trades, then traded the trades for that cool like volume like omnibus yeah. hardcover thing they're putting out. Like so, you kind of I kind of escalate up my love of something. Um, I remember when East of West had first come out, and I was still kind of a little a little green in terms of of how comic shops worked. I was just getting back into it pretty heavily. And I remember walking in going, "Hey, is there an East of West omnibus?" And they're like, "Dude, that series is like it's <laughs> is, is three trades in." No. And I didn't quite understand why that was, like why a, they wouldn't just go for that. I didn't realize how how new it was. I yeah. thought it had been around for a while. But all that time later, now they have East of West, you know, year 1, year 2, which are these giant hardcover basically omnibuses and I can finally grab them. I would Yeah. You know, I'll have East to West digitally for the things I really like. So when I'm on the plane, because at some point when you have that big old book, you can't. It's very hard to carry that around or cart that in your bags. So you want right. the smaller version. A lot of drawn and quarterly books have this this uh, sort of issue where it's they're amazing to hold. Um, I think blankets is my favorite example of this. Oh my God, beautiful book, big thick book, but man, to travel with that thing is not easy. Yeah, and <laughs> I found myself on a, on the rare occasion. Uh, grabbing the digital version of something that i i have on my shelf but i just don't want to cart it with me on this trip i'm going on or i'm on the plane so let's grab the digital copy just so i can reread it but i have it physically too it's an interesting interesting when that happens and then it's i come back and then it's the question is which do i read next do i do i go back to that digital copy ever or do i (laughs) it's you kind of you kind of like just you're more observant of your your reading habits when you do these kinds of things I I still I'm gonna kind of jump to a summary for myself, and again, there's no yeah. right or wrong here. I want to really clarify that we're not like this isn't like doing you know, which is better. I think as we're finding it, it does come down to the use to the 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 book yeah. itself, the person reading it. I think for me, I still come back to the Mister Glass uh, uh, art gallery curation sort of that that's kind of my default, which is the stuff that just works incredibly well that you need a big. Physical, tangible, visible. I mean, I, I'm. Uh, I think a tale of sand perfectly illustrates. this. Yeah. I would never want to own Jim Henson's A Tale of Sand digitally. It just it wouldn't work the same way at all. Like you have to physically have it for yeah. a variety of reasons. Um. So that's kind of my go-to. I'm always out on the lookout for books like that where I'm like, man, I'm going to treasure this thing, and I feel like I'm curating an art gallery. Like the, every time I look at my comic shelf, like uh, you know, it's it's getting pretty packed right now. But I always look at it going, what can I. What could I stand to lose to make room for something even better? And I'm constantly sort of updating that so I don't sprawl out too much. Meanwhile, I have a, a pretty full comicsology library of stuff I've purchased over time. And the thing, I feel like for the most part, the things that I have purchased work really well in that format. And I would not usually get them physically anyway. I think about um, all the He Man books, uh, single issues, and stuff I've read. I'm perfectly happy having them digitally especially because they refuse to, to put them out in any good quality packaging uh on <laughs> the physical side They're, the trades are are just bog standard like there's nothing interesting about it and yeah. they work better with that backlight and kind and uh guided view digitally so I, I think all my digital stuff has been largely purchased with that in mind like what's where which which of these formats is going to work better for the book yeah. and how big of a fan of the property am i and i think that's kind of where i fall
1: well, like you, like the one that jumps to mind to me that we've mentioned several times is like drawn in quarterly. I don't yeah. want any of my drawn in quarterly books digitally. How could you uh, imagine? I, I <laughs> you know, I, um, but the same thing is like I'm probably not going to take Jerusalem Jerusalem on a plane. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a big thick book. Yeah. Um, but it's beautiful. Uh, what you know what occurs to me as uh, listening to you say that is there's this weird irony to me, which is it's those big two with their heroes that have been going on for like 70 freaking years that are, are, are kind of running the show, but also screwing some of the model up because I, I don't want to pay $4 an issue for Superman comics, you know, yeah. but yeah. Uh, often the arcs more often in like DC and Marvel, the arcs aren't that interesting. Like it's not like its own perfectly situated story, yeah. you know? So, um, so waiting until the trade comes out is also not an option.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, there's this weird irony of like I'm much more likely to go into a comic book shop and go oh this issue of Batman looks interesting and and picking it up, you know it's like they're based on the single issue. They're that's who's running the show. Is that's the whole yeah. Order the single issues and then collect them. Model comes from them, you know. Like Image, you can almost imagine if they had their druthers it would be like, "Hey, let's just publish books." Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, true. I I don't know where to come down on any of that. I uh, can, I can would I, say this
0: I, real quick while you were talking. Yeah. The one thing we haven't mentioned that I'm sure somebody will point Ooh. out is a lot of times, even still, the digital copy of a single issue or trade, but let's let's just say single issues, is not going to have ads. And all those those physical versions still pack those ads in, and a lot of the digital versions of those. I've, I've purchased DC books that do not have ads, and I, I find the same issue in the store, and it does. Oh, now, man. more and more digitally, that's that's changing, but that's yeah. still largely. I mean that was a huge appeal to buy things digitally. It's like, oh, yeah. I have to deal with these ads, even though it's the same price or less in a lot of cases. It's, it's strange they made that choice, but it is worth kind of thinking about. No,
1: that's a great point. Uh, I it's not a comic book example, but there is this app that is advertised on so many <laughs> podcasts that we will now guarantee never having as a sponsor. The Texture app, oh, yeah. where you read magazines. Um. Uh. And I was not aware it just didn't occur to me that like no it's I mean it's it's a great version it's not just a scanned in magazine but all the ads are there and so why Uh, am I paying for your app interesting I mean I I don't know at some point you got to think that with magazines anyway like why am I paying for an issue of whatever major you know Conde Nast publication this is why am I paying for it if you're also going to put ads in it like that's that's a good point that's (laughs) That's a really good point (laughs) yeah uh, anyway, um, I, I think this is a great discussion. It's obviously something that will come up again and again. I, I do love that, you know, we've been doing this probably for like a year and a half where we've regularly been asking each other, did you read this in digital or print? Yeah. That's something yeah. we'll continue to talk about. And I'm sure at some point we'll talk about a book where one of us has read it in print and one's read it digitally and like how that experience differs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, like I mentioned before, a good example of that is the, uh, um, is descender which i read in print didn't enjoy so much which is so strange because the art is wonderful Mm. and then really got into the story digitally but anyway uh as this discussion continues taylor where can people find us We are wherever podcasts are
0: found. Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and more. Tell your friends to search and subscribe to Panelism on those services. You can also find us online. Our website is panelism.inc. That's I-N-K. As well as our Instagram handle. Search Instagram for panelism.inc. And follow us. We've been doing some really fun stuff. Lots of new followers on Instagram. Big shout out to you guys. Glad you're listeners now, too if you have anything you want to suggest in terms of guests uh, and we're going to have some upcoming guests uh, as well we used to do that a little bit more often, that's coming back um, if you have any suggestions for books if you're a creator and want us to check out a book as some people have uh, reached out with, please let us know, we've got a lot of lot of ground to cover in 2019 so we'll be looking yeah. for, for a lot of you know, new things to feature and I think really expand uh, expand our, our, our catalog of stuff that we talk about To the
1: podcast where we talk about the. <laughs> I knew that was I, don't, I don't think you were ready. <laughs> no. Ah, uh, bleh. Not well, right. podcast the panelism where we <laughs> comics and graphic novels, the shelves.
0: <laughs> All right.